history happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after show podcast where we look back at episode number 36, Beauty and Cyprus during the Hundred Years' War. So if you haven't listened to that, go back, check it out, or else there will be spoilers ahead. My fingers smell of cloves. Hello and welcome to History Happened Everywhere, The Verdict. My name is Ryan Weir. I am here in the HHE studio with the glowing, the gracious, it's Mr. Peter Goddard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glowing and gracious. I don't, I'm not really glowing. I'm not really gracious. Gr- Are you Peter Goddard? <laughs> I am Peter Goddard, yes. <laughs> also on the line, it's the diligent, it's the dependable, it's the downright dastardly, it's Mr. Paul Dursley. Hail. Hail, fellow well met. How are you doing, Mr. Dursley? Uh, I'm not too bad. Just like old times, it's dark again. Yeah, you were telling me that it's the equinox. It's just going to get darker from now on, right? Well, the, actually, the equinox means the sun goes from shining on the northern hemisphere to shining on the southern hemisphere. These are the kind of questions, though, that Pete and I are faced with on a weekly basis, <laughs> often. <laughs> and we use the internet, we use Google, to do our research, right? Now, why don't you use your brain? Well, because there's nothing in our that's, brains. Uh, that's a very, it would be a shorter podcast, put it that way. <laughs> But Google is a reliable service, right? Millions of people across the world do that every single day. And I was thinking, if we were to identify what the top searches in Google were and answer them, we might get like a percentage of those people that would be going to Google. They'll come to us to find the answers to those. Right. So I went to Google and I've got a list of them. Excellent. And all you need to do is answer them and have those answers available on our website. So here we go, right? So, Paul, I'm going to ask yeah. you, the, these are sincerely the top questions. How many people in the world? Probably just shy of, in American terms, 8 billion. See, the people are going to love stuff. this. this is... I can just feel those those views, those Search clicks. All those clicks coming our way. <laughs> coming to our site. I'm serious. I'm going to put this up on a site. And put <laughs> the top 10 <laughs> questions. <laughs> okay, next question. How to screenshot on Mac? Control Shift F5. This is u- wow. See? This is useful stuff. Um, hey Dursles, where are you now? Here. <laughs> Sarcastic search engine. That's great. Okay, next one. Hey Dursles, what is your name? I'm gonna have to think about that one. Okay. Um, I'm just curious. I would have thought that was one of the easier questions. <laughs> hey Dursle, what time is it? <laughs> Time to get a watch. Oh. Great answer. I'm feeling that Dursel could be uh, the first user-hostile search engine. <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite good. Right, enough of this nonsense. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to move on with the verdict. And that means, Peter, step forward into the spotlight. Remind us all, what was in the episode last time? You've got one minute, starting now. We travelled to the beautiful Mediterranean island of Cyprus, birthplace of the goddess Aphrodite herself and destination of a million sun-hungry tourists. We learned that the island's strategic location between Europe and the Middle East made it a tempting target for empires throughout history, from the Greeks to Egyptians to Ottomans and the British. In medieval times, it was also found by Richard the Lionheart to be a great base for a good old-fashioned crusade, and he sold the island to the Lusignan family of France. They then ruled the land for generations, including the period 1337-1453, aka the Hundred Years' War, which did not involve Cyprus. We met a smorgasbord of kings of Cyprus, mostly called Hugh, 
as well as a crusade-crazy Peter I and the less successful Peter the Fat, whose reign marked the beginning of the end for Lusignan Cyprus until eventually the island became part of the Venetian Empire. We considered what made for a medieval beauty and reviewed a selection of recipes from the Trotula, a medieval manual of makeup using ingredients including bees, bear fat and quicklime, and found a recipe for aromatic hair tonic that we put together in the studio, causing Ryan to smell like Christmas for the rest of the episode. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of thee, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. It was an interesting one, I think. Interesting Mm. how? That could be good or bad. Interesting I've, I've had relationships I would describe as interesting, and it does not necessarily mean good. <laughs> so, okay, well, let's start at the beginning. Have you ever been to Cyprus, Paul? No, I haven't been to Cyprus, funnily enough. Well, that's odd, isn't it? Because, like, um, it's quite the tourist destination. Ah, but I'm not a tourist, am I? Oh, well, what are you? A traveller. Okay, not an explorer, an adventurer. Uh, not, not to Cyprus, no. Not uh, tempted by Ayanapa? Uh, funnily enough, no. <laughs> and for those that don't know, Pete, Ionapa is? Famous party region mm. in Cyprus. And by party, you mean like raving. Raving and, and clubbing. And, and waving glow sticks and taking shirts off and foam parties. I'm talking myself in. Yeah, you are. Because <laughs> your eyes just lit up. <laughs> oh, dear. So you've not you've not been to Cyprus. Okay. Uh, but what's your thoughts on the country? Acroterian decalia, I suppose. Yeah. I agree. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. He's, I mean, he has such a way with words. He does. It's... I just I mean, can't improve on that, can you? No, no. What does that mean? Well, Acroterian Decalia are the British sovereign bases on Cyprus, which you failed to mention, because part of Cyprus is still British sovereign territory. Let's move into what did Pete get wrong territory? Hey, hey, hey. Oh, OK. Hey. That's good. That's, that's good. <laughs> well, he didn't get it wrong. He just never mentioned it. Are they beautiful bases, particularly? <laughs> well, they're very odd uh, because they're sort of, you don't know you, you're in Cyprus. You, I believe when you drive through them, you don't actually know you're in a separate country. I can testify to that. I have driven through it. And in some places, the road is part of British territory, but the land on either side of it is not. That sounds totally sustainable. So what surprised you, though? What stood out for you? Uh, the, the French kings of Cyprus, I didn't really know that at all. You know, I knew it was to do with the Crusades and, and Richard Coeur de Lyon, who I don't know why everyone says is English. He's never English. I think he was only ever in England for about two months of his life. <laughs> was that when he popped by to see Robin Hood? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but he was born in France, he died in France, and I think, yeah, he visited England once or twice. Well, Richard the Lionheart really didn't have too much to do with it. He came along, he got married, but then he flogged it off immediately to the Knights Templar, who then made a mess of things and then it went to the Lusignons. Given how many crusades there were, I'm surprised that it hasn't come up in our uh, previous episodes. Yeah, I don't I don't think they were Christianity's finest hour. Well, all the more reason to talk about it. Yeah, oh yes, absolutely. So I I thought the crusades were like a, a very clear thing, but there was there's so much politicking even within the crusades that the various people with their various factions in various parts of the Middle East bickering with each other as much as with Jerusalem largely they're trying to retake so I hadn't realized there's really a lot more there's a lot more to crusades than you realize I thought it was just everyone goes yay let's go get Jerusalem and then try and fail or succeed varyingly yeah 
But actually, there was just it was just a lot more of the what we get used to in politics of I want this bit, you want that bit. No, I'm going to attack you in this bit because I want it. It's just the same old bickering. <laughs> well, there were were lots more crusades than you think, and you know some I think are classed as crusades, and some aren't, and some tried to get people to go with them, and they didn't, and it was yeah, it was all politics. And, you know, what did they get out of it? You know, it was the division of Saladin's reign, I suppose. It's fascinating. And it's one of these things that feels like it's a gap in my knowledge. That's probably the old PC brigade, isn't it? It was a bit gory. You know, the Christians never came out of it very nicely. So it was not the sort of thing to teach in primary school history. Yeah. Well, like I say, I hope it comes up in more of our episodes because I, I do feel like it feels vague to me. Like I don't really understand the, the full picture and I'd, I'd like to understand and, and, and go into it in a bit more detail. It's one of those things that you, you think you know about it until you start really examining what you know and you yes. kind of get, you realise you go out two steps in, there were nights they went to Jerusalem. Right. And then you kind of run out of road, don't you? And you think, actually, I yeah, really don't know anything just... about this at all. Right. And what does that mean to be a knight in Jerusalem in those days? Wearing the gear and like that was a long distance to travel or a prince of antioch even well indeed <laughs> yes exactly and 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 so you had to have all your coconut shells with you <laughs> i did actually i did realize that quite a lot of my understanding of this era that does come from monty python <laughs> yes. just and Robin slightly alarming yeah basically I, I, it's a miracle i got as far as i did frankly <laughs> <laughs> i mean straight how many crusade films can you think of not as many as you think i can think of that one with orlando broom bloom orlando <laughs> Broom, the uh, <laughs> the janitor. <laughs> that was a Ridley Scott film, wasn't it? Yeah, Kingdom of Heaven or something. That's right. Yeah, and obviously all the Robin Hoods. <laughs> and that's them. more or less where I stop. But that was the but the Crusade was only a peripheral story. Oh, to the Robin Hood story. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was made more of, wasn't it, in the more recent adaptations of Robin Hood, where it plays more on his his experience being a soldier in that war. Well, you know, even the word crusade has additional meaning. And, uh, you know, in 2001, Bush, who didn't know better, used the word crusade in the sense of getting back. And then, of course, it was read in the anti-Muslim sense. Emotive, to say the least. Yes. Um, any other thoughts? Anything else that stood out for you? I liked the bit about the makeup. Yeah, that was fascinating, wasn't it? I hadn't realised there was this this whole book about medieval makeup and what was it? What was it called again? Trotula. It was a Trotula, three books that's the one. sewn together. It sounds like a disease, doesn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> got, uh, from just smearing Trotula. white lead on your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so the third of the books is the cosmetics one. It's not very long because uh, I did manage to read the whole thing. What what really struck me was the diversity of the ingredients. Actually, you know, the, the cloves, the nutmeg, the, you know, the I I I had thought it would have been you know things you find around Italy, herbs of rosemary and kind of much more just sort of things that were at hand rather than you would have to but, spend but, money but on. But there yeah. was always odd things, and there still are odd things in cosmetics, aren't they? Like amber agree is something that mm-hmm. is always being used for cosmetics and it's basically whale snot <laughs> <laughs> whale snot yeah uh, and civet which is the excretion of a civet cat in makeup really yeah oh oh yes see i was thinking and... more of plants and things like jojoba 
Jojoba and Jojoba. almond milk. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jojoba. <laughs> you just like to say that. Yeah. And, you know, up until relatively recently, loads of whale fat was used in cosmetics. Yeah, not, not massively recently, though, right? Probably up until the 70s. Wow, really? Okay. First catch a whale. Yeah, you can get quite a few lipsticks out of a whale. Is that like measuring things in France's? How many lipsticks in a whale? <laughs> <laughs> The other interesting thing was that the the book made absolutely no effort to actually tell you how to do any of these things. It just says, takes these things and mix them together, and that's it. And you go, okay. No no quantity. No quantity of anything. Yeah, I think that's a trope of a lot of those old books. You you, you sort of read cookery books as well of the time, and it's get a bit of this, a bit of that, (laughs) do this to it, and that's it. No temperatures, you know, no, no how long to cook it, and no temperatures, no amounts apart from maybe a pinch of this but doesn't that like introduce an element of exploration that we don't get now like everybody eats the same thing now because the instructions and the method and the ingredients are all exactly the same because you're reading them from the same recipe online whereas in those days like you'd have one community that would evolve that recipe because they would put it in for too long or they undercook it or something and suddenly you have a new cake that's flatter than you know 400 miles away Possibly, but but there wouldn't be recipe books then, were they? The recipe books were curiosities. Well, first of all, you, you'd have to be able to read. There is that. It was all passed down by hand of mouth. So I guess it was just all automatically assumed you'd know how much spice to put in if you had a half of a lamb. Yeah, I think that oral tradition is, is quite interesting. And it makes you wonder as well how many of these recipes that were written down in the trotula were actually as originally used and how much of it was misremembered and actually yeah. it wasn't bees at all that they were supposed to grind down it was peas or something <laughs> <laughs> yes for, for your white face paint mix up white lead and this and you know you know you've used too much if the face falls off <laughs> <laughs> yes that did have a limiting factor didn't it <laughs> we did talk about it and you know the consumers of the trotula would have been more wealthier people yeah, anyone with nutmeg in their cabinet is probably not uh, an everyday worker but spices were expensive right wars were fought over spices so oh like, yes it, they're expensive because they were in short supply right. and they were a status symbol it, and that's and that's the thing isn't it it's a status symbol it's it's uh, it, it's a demonstration demonstration through smell that you are wealthy the equivalent of having coat plaited your hair in gold bars or something <laughs> look, at, look at all the money i've got yeah so i um yeah so on that i washed it after you left with shampoo and i dried it i got into bed i fell asleep i woke up in the morning and my pillow was purple <laughs> from, <laughs> from the rose even after having washed it. after washing it yeah oh that was that was the rose then i guess because that was the only yeah. really purple thing in there well i don't know there was or maybe quite there a lot was dark the nutmeg well, that was, that, was pr- that was probably all the dribble from your mouth that made it go purple because of all the delicious smells you're oh, smelling in your sleep right. yeah i was wondering I would, spit wasn't called for as i remember in i'm sure like me when you sleep you dribble a lot oh yeah it could be that yeah it's funny you should mention pillows though because also one of the things that was uh, i didn't cover in the episode because i was focusing on beauty mm-hmm. of people was cyprus was really well known at that time for its cloth and its silks and it's so uh cyprus would be mm-hmm. described as uh, a kind of cloth and they also had they make silk on the island and they also did uh silk that was woven with gold wire oh wow so there was a there was a whole line of beauty that i originally was thinking about taking about the sort of 
traditions of manufacturing these things and the and cypress and silk and pillows mm-hmm. would have been uh, one of the things that might have come from cypress that you then ruined with your hair gel <laughs> <laughs> so um paul we sent you some of the uh, hair lotion have you received it uh, yes i received a package this morning so is this bottle bottle what it says it is or is it oh, no. what you've put in it <laughs> no it's what we've put in it and i uh, yeah so there, we, we sent you a bottle Yes. Why don't you crack that bottle open and have a little smell? Give us your thoughts on what medieval. Okay, let me, shake I'm going to take. I'm going to take the top off and rub it in your hair. And, I'm not putting it anywhere near my hair. <laughs> God, it smells of cloves. Well, there are surprise. cloves in it. <laughs> what else are you getting? Use that red wine nose. <laughs> cloves. <laughs> just cloves. It's might as well just ground up some cloves. Did you shake it? Well, it tastes. Like, it, it smells like apple pie. Yes, because you put cloves in apple pie. That's why. Okay, I've shook it up. Okay. You probably heard me shaking it. All right, so walk us through the, the nasal journey. Don't want to go on a nasal journey. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, since I've shook it, it has less of a clove smell. Um, pour a little out on your hand or something. Let's have a little look at it. Oh, it's black. Yeah, it's very dark. It's got bits in it. Oh, it definitely does. It was really quite unpleasant when it went on Ryan's hair. Yeah. Gunky, muddy mess. But imagine... Paul, you've not had a bath or a shower in two weeks. Haven't I? Well, no, I'm, uh, yeah, we're back in Medieval time. Medieval Dursley. And you've suddenly found this bottle on the side of the street. It's fallen from the hand basket of a maiden. Maybe you're just going to slap a little on your hair. I feel there's a lot of extraneous detail <laughs> in that journey. Is there anchovy in it? Anchovy? No, there is no anchovy in it, to my knowledge, unless Ryan slips an anchovy in <laughs> before sending it off. It wasn't disgusting enough that I needed an anchovy rubbed in my hair. But that's what it smelled. That's what you'd smell like. Honestly, I was absolutely impressed by how nice it smelled. I don't know why I assumed it would be horrible. It's just because I've got this notion of medieval smells bad in yeah. my head. If I had to sleep next to somebody who had that rubbed in their hair at night, I'd get to sleep super easily. But you've got to keep them off your pillows. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah. They could towel down first. <laughs> Shower cap. The smell doesn't linger, does it? No, I found it to be like um, like an aftershave or something. Once you've applied it to your person, the smell tends to either dissipate or you just go blind to the smell. That's on hair that does retain o- aromas quite well, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I sort of, I've just sort of rubbed it on my hands, and so overall, would you uh, drop an Amazon review on us? I, I don't, I, I, I don't use emollients. Well. Would you buy it as a gift for someone? No. We just have a lot of this stuff, so we're trying to sell it. (laughs) Side note, if anyone genuinely is interested in trying some, we'll make you some and send you some, right? Yeah, you send us an email to Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com and we'll whip you up a batch. We're going to need your address and who you are, but uh, we'll, we'll make some for you. Yeah, send us an email. We talked about enosis. Enosis, yes. Enosis. Yes. That means union in Greek. 
And Which makes sense. Yeah. And I didn't quite understand it. And I know that you said you were going to go away and read up on it and tell me some more. So, so what have you got? So Enosis is the unification of Greek peoples. Uh, if you remember our Bulgarian episode, when things tended to be arranged in terms of boundaries in various treaty locations, the Greek boundaries were established in a London conference. Uh, this was in 1832. And they wanted to make, or specifically the Duke of Wellington, wanted to make a Greece with about a million people in it. But there are many, many more people who speak Greek. Greek and are culturally Greek and consider themselves Greek uh, and they were not hugely happy with that. Um, they wanted to create a wider union of tiny Greece with wider Greece yeah. and that's what is called enosis right now there's also greek populations in various places you've got greeks in albania you've got greeks in bits of turkey or the ottoman empire as was crimea. and greeks in cyprus as we discussed crimea mm-hmm. and so all of these people crimea <laughs> <laughs> I understand there's some Greeks in Crimea. <laughs> Thank you. But what about Crimea? <laughs> so essentially, all of these people wanted to be unified with a Greece, a main Greece mainland, I guess. And, and that's Enosis. So realistically, though, nowadays, it's really only Cyprus and Greece that it refers to. Right. So you don't really have that active enosis elsewhere so you don't have greeks who have emigrated to new york going i want enosis right i i got the impression when we were talking about it in the podcast that this was the greeks going around and colonizing areas and trying to unify it as part of of greece but no it's more just the where they lived and i mean there's a bit of that because that's how you get there in the first place but it's, it's more around the area of greece i think it's more cultural isn't it yeah greek speaking greek orthodox religion greek culture and traditions mm. so it is more restricted to the region around greece it's not just we went they went rampaging around went yeah you know sis this is greek it's we live here and we want to be part of greece and we are already greek mentally yeah. if you like no p- perhaps they want to reinstate the empire of alexander the great who wouldn't i mean it was great <laughs> so one of the other things that came up was we raised the question about like how is square meters worked out for countries is there a standard paul do you know at all yes i i i, I did shout at the radio when you said that the datum is mean high water because if, if the island of Jersey can double in size, but you couldn't do much on the sand because every 12 and a half hours it's covered with water again. Yeah, so they don't count that then, presumably. Correct. Unless said it would be everything, whatever, inside the boundary. But then sometimes you sort of see, you'd see a number and then it would be like 98% land. See, I had a more mathematical problem with this, which was the kind of notion of the fractals of the coastline. So I... That's to do with length, not area. But does that affect the area at all? Because if you've got... So the, the idea is that if you measure your coastline with a one mile long stick... Mm. And you just mm-hmm. dab it along the edges. This is the famous how long is the coast of Britain question. Yeah, exactly. So you've got one mile stick and you dab it around and then you go, okay, that the length of around the coastline is 100 miles, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then if you take a metre long stick instead and dab that around, because you're going in and out of smaller dips and crevices, you come up with a much longer length than you would have done with your one metre stick. Right. Does that makes sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. So I wondered if that would affect the calculation of the, the area within, depending on where you drew the, your lines of the coast? No, funnily enough, it wouldn't. How so? Mm. Well, there is a theorem in maths called Green's Theorem in the Plane, which equates a line integral around a boundary to the area enclosed within that boundary. 
And so in that sense, it doesn't really matter what the scale is, because every time you go a bit one way, you have to come back the other way. So they'd sort of all cancel out. Right. So so you would get to the same because i i actually think that's quite fascinating there are tools things called plan meters which you know as a kid i was fascinated that you could sort of run a wheel around an area and it would then tell you the area based on its perimeter oh wow that's very clever so presumably that's what they would use before satellite technology and before any other kind of airplanes uh, they're, or... they're called planometers or plan meters where you sort of you trace a point around the outline of something and then it can it can calculate the area of it i think i know what someone's getting for christmas <laughs> oh i love one that's great so there was something else that i promised to look into a bit more because i raised yeah. a very tantalizing subject then uh, then rejected your appeal for more information because it was on the grounds that it wasn't beauty but now we're in the verdict territory yeah i am permitted to speak what was on it? the matters of Popes and pirates. Ah, yes. Uh, ah. Popes <laughs> and pirates. Oh, yes, yes. So, uh, as we recall, Peter, I believe it was the first rather than the fat, was being attacked by people from the southern towns of Turkey. Uh, he gathered together a coalition of the the Knights of St. John, known as the Hospitallers, uh, from Rhodes, the Pope, and the pirates. Cool. So, pirate-wise, you have a smorgasbord, a selection of pirates available to you in the medieval Mediterranean. There are European pirates, such as the Frisians, and they were a Dutch bunch. But there were also Muslim pirates coming from the Holy Land as well, and from the south and from North Africa. So the Barbary pirates, they would attack European ships and essentially take Christians hostage and sell them off as slaves. Oh, wow. The European pirates would return the favour, essentially. Yeah, okay. That went on for ages. The, the Muslims would collect tribute from uh, the European powers, saying, give us some money or we'll attack you and take some anyway. And that went on until the 1800s. And surprisingly... Wait, what? From the 1300s to the 18th, so over 500 years? Pi well, I suppose it's still going on in Somalia, isn't it? The piracy is still a phenomenon. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Because pe people generally pay up, so it's, it's worth it. Exactly. Um, but it was the Americans, weirdly, who ended the Barbary pirate threat. They went to war. Well, that was the first war that America went to after becoming independent, the Barbary but, War. But why are they there? Like, why was the United States getting involved in, in a war the other side of the world? Well, I think they were attacked by... Their ships were attacked by the Barbaries. Okay, I see. So they were travelling through the Med to America, and while they were there, they were getting attacked by the Barbary pirates. Pirated. Pirated. Okay. But yeah, you wouldn't have thought it, would you? You think if anyone's going to beat the yeah. pirates, it wouldn't have been the Americans. But it was. Uh, now, Pope-wise, Pope. we, we did talk about Battle Pope. Battle Pope. <laughs> <Charging> into battle. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> it's time to meet uh, Pope Julius II. The warrior pope. So there was a battle pope. There was a battle pope. Because you were like pope. joking and laughing. I didn't think saying, anyone had gone into battle. They'd I must be admit. there with their, their crook. <laughs> and their white <laughs> surplus and their mitre. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say outright that it doesn't sound like a very papal thing to do. Well, he wasn't a very papal pope in many ways. Oh, right, uh, okay. His children would testify to that, in fact. They, they all had children then. Wait, yeah, wait. Popes aren't supposed to have kids, right? Well, that's the whole point. Well, it was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yes, uh, Pope Julius. Yeah, one rule for them, they are a different rule for the peasants. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. So love thy neighbour, but also murder him, according to Pope <laughs> Julius II, the warrior pope, who actually uh, went into battle against the kingdom of Venice. Yeah. Uh, he, 
<laughs> he was carried to the front line for fighting in northern Italy, where uh, he sounds like a lovely guy. He cursed his generals out, made jokes at their expense. He took hold of the military operations and directed them himself, uh, reviewed the troops. This is all not very poopy behavior, isn't it? Right. Um, the city held out because they were uh, sieging a city, so he decided to threaten to pillage them uh, against everyone else's advice. So wow. the generals are going, no, come on, we can't pillage these guys. And the Pope, the Pope, yeah. is going... No, let's go get him. <laughs> so he wins the, wow. the battle and then he gets some, um, he, he orders the his troops to extort money from the people and distributes that money amongst his troops, which is a very Christian thing to standard do. Standard behavior. Well, the, the, even less Christian. He said, let's execute all the French soldiers that we find. <laughs> so, so he seemed nice. <laughs> Eventually, the French and Venetians, who were not keen on this guy, what with all the executing and pillaging that's going on, yeah. uh, they retook the lands and they found a statue of him, which they melted down and made a cannon, which they named after him in mocking tribute. Oh, really? <laughs> and when was this? You didn't give the dates. Uh, this was in 1503 to 1513. He was uh, poping around. So when you said Kingdom of Venice, you meant Venetian Republic. Come on, Pete. Oh. Get your facts right. <laughs> this is why he's here. This is what he does. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Battle Pope was real. There you go. Yeah. Julius II. Oh, he also, interestingly, given that he sounds awful, he commissioned Michelangelo to paint the Sistine Chapel. That was that one. That guy. Okay. I'm surprised this chapel didn't turn out quite differently, to be honest. Not <laughs> <laughs> more sort of murder and yeah. carnage than uh, cherubs wobbling around the sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look, that brings me to something I was looking up. We're doing a lot of research for this one. This a lot is of good. Well, I think we're both trying to flasher Paul here with yeah, like our him, knowledge. Keep him occupied. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I looked up because we were talking about Peter the Fat. We right? were, yes. And, uh, <laughs> which is a great name, right? I, so I was looking up other cognomen. It's the nickname that's given to you know, a person's cognomen. true the, cognomen. The Romans themselves quite often had cognomens as part of their formal name. And is that like because they didn't have surnames? So it was easier to know who people were? No, they had sur- they had surnames. They had first names. They had cryptonyms. They had loads of different names. And they changed them throughout their life. It, mu- it must have been really quite weird. Yeah. So there are so, so throughout time there are some famous ones. There's Alexander the Great. Yeah. There's Vlad the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler is a really good example. Yeah. Anyway, so there are some other ones. So Peter II, he died in 1382. He died very obese, as you rightly pointed out. <laughs> uh, he started out life as known as Perrin, but by the end of it, he was just known as Peter the Fat. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I thought I'd look up some other cognomen of some other famous people throughout history. So uh, let me just run some of these by you. Okay, so there was Charles the Affable. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'd like to be known as Pete the Affable. <laughs> Pete the Affable. I think it was Charles. I think it was Charles the Bald as well. Uh, that, well, I've got Baldwin the Bald, which <laughs> well, that's just confusing. <laughs> there, was a, there was a few balds, but Baldwin the Bald was a good one. There was Sebastian the Asleep. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> there was, and Pete, you'll like this one. There was Alfonso the Avenger. Oh, I like that. Along with Edward the Third, who was also Edward the Avenger. The Avengers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got John George, the beer jug. Oh. And Manuel, the bibliophile. Just, oh, that's just lovely. <laughs> just, just loved his reading. Loved his reading. There was uh, Evelio, the cabbage. 
Oh dear. <laughs> John the Careless. John <laughs> the Cabbage. Peter the Ceremonious. Sverker the Clubfoot. Vasily the Cross-Eyed. Oh, that's just mean. <laughs> Louis V of France was also known as Louis the Do-Nothing. <laughs> the Indolent or the Sluggard. The Sluggard. That three different nicknames all the same. He's just lazy. <laughs> Bermudo the Gouty. <laughs> Manuel the Spicy. Oh, I like that one. They call me Manuel, the spicy. <laughs> Henry the impotent. Oh dear, oh dear. As character flaws go, that's oh, not one to we, be remembered. Can we keep this between us? Um, right, you don't probably don't want to look at your new business cards. <laughs> there was Eric the kind-hearted. Oh, lovely. <laughs> isn't that lovely? There was Timur the lame. <laughs> <laughs> I only got that in the sort of Californian said lame <laughs> there was Alfonso the leprous Eric the lisp and lame <laughs> <laughs> oh that's harsh you can't stack them that's just terrible <laughs> John the nun lover <laughs> John the nun lover oh I like him already <laughs> which goes well <laughs> Dying here, John the nun lover, and then there was Eric the priest. Eric the what? <laughs> Eric the priest, what? <laughs> We've lost him. We've lost Ryan to Eric the priest. Hater. Hater. <laughs> John oh, okay. the nun lover and Eric the priest hater. <laughs> I still think the cabbage is the best. <laughs> it was Frederick the Simple, <laughs> Louis the Stammerer, Peter the Stutterer, <laughs> oh Euros the Weak, and Peter the Till the End of the World Passionate. <laughs> oh my gosh. A, beautifully poetic. Peter the Till the End of the World Passionate. <laughs> I have a feeling he might have been, that's a nickname that he tried to get to catch on for himself, didn't he? Try to get ahead of being called yeah, the Gouty. <laughs> the nun lover. <laughs> the cabbage. No, cabbage is best. <laughs> Evalio the cabbage. Oh, I just like the idea of this guy sitting there Do you know what? I love nuns. <laughs> <laughs> Eric the priest hater. I hate priests. I hate priests. He's always hating priests. Anyway, there you go. Oh, right. Before we get into the verdict, there was just one last thing that we were talking about. One of the questions that I posited was whether anyone had compared Cyprus to a moon base. Yes, you did say that because we were talking about it as a starting point for the Crusades. And we talked about then the moon would be a base as a starting point for attacking Mars. A refueling station. A refueling think, station. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So no one has that I could <laughs> find. <laughs> However, in November 2020, a research project began in Cyprus to test space equipment before 
you're sending it to Mars. And basically, they're just going to measure the age of the rocks. Apparently, that's not been done accurately before. They've been doing that in the Trudos Mountains. I know about those. During the 60s, all of the rebels used to hide in those mountains. Well, they might as well have been hiding on Mars, because apparently it's geologically very similar to the Red Planet. Ah. And uh, the Cyprus Space Exploration Organization, the CSEO, they're working with three other European countries as well as the United States on their little Mars research project. Good on them. Who knew Cyprus would be contributing to space programs? On the way to Mars. Well done, guys. So there's a part of Cyprus that's forever Martian. There you are, exactly. Who would have thought? Okay, that's it. He's, he's thrown himself at your feet, Mr. Dursley. Please, I beg of you. I've got kids. <laughs> no, you don't. Do I know, you? but... How many? Don't tell him that. Okay. <laughs> you want to know he's lying to you at this last oh, moment. I thought you were on my side. No. Oh. Okay, here we go. Let's play the tune. Can we have the opera singer this time? Yes, we can have her. Okay, so, Judge Dursley, we are all here in the court, so let's begin first with the length, the duration of the episode. Given that it was Pete, I'd give this a a good B. It wasn't very long for Pete. I'm going to write, mercifully short. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I've just realised that if you get, um, like, quite a few Bs, you'll have a handful of Bs and therefore able to make that makeup. <laughs> I'm going to burn my bees and yeah. see what happens. Don't worry, he's not. He's not going to get okay, that. downhill well, from here. I think spoilers. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, information research the uh, the quality of the depth of knowledge that that Pete dove into and presented to us. I th- I think we could have had a bit more C. A bit more C. What, like the Mediterranean or <laughs> no C being the score? <laughs> okay. Mm. Okay. Next factor. It is the entertainment factor. How entertained were you by this episode? Well, there was one part of it that I absolutely abhorred. Oh. It was that song bit. Oh, the peddler? I've got a comb and some lipstick and a... That one. <laughs> well, yes, that, that, was, that was pretty tedious. <laughs> again, again, it went on too long. But then there was the Baby King one. Oh, oh Baby King. Do, do, Shut do, do, up. Do. It's really not the time. I'm just warning you now. I've thrown myself on the mercy of the court, and I know which way this is going now, so I'm just uh, struggling at the bonds. So, Judge Dursley, may I ask for your verdict on uh, entertainment? D minus. <laughs> Ouchie. Baby king. Baby king. Okay, okay, E plus. <laughs> I hope it was worth it. it totally I did warn was. you twice. Okay. All right. Next uh, next factor is the Dursel factor. I, I don't know. Cyprus didn't really do it for me. That's okay. Beauty? Uh, I'm, not very, I'm not very beautiful, so it makes me feel inferior. Um, I think you have a lovely high forehead. <laughs> so you are beautiful. <laughs> Pale skin. <laughs> yeah. And a nice it's just pair in, of you're apples. just living in the wrong time. That's the only problem. C. A C. Okay, that's good. I think I would be happy with a C. Okay, that brings us to, Your Honour, what is the verdict? It's a C minus. 
It's a miscarriage of justice. No, it's not. It's quite good yeah. compared to some of the other great. Hey, that's the gallery. It wasn't me. I think C minus is good. Yeah, I think I've evaded a problematic situation there. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much, Your Honour. Thank you, Your Honour. My pleasure, as ever. All right, so there we are, another episode down, and another to come. It's uh, my turn next time, and we're going to be looking at Easy Come, Easy Go in Australia during 1945 to present day. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think that there's a lot of stuff you can cover in that. No, I agree. I think there's going to be a lot. It's going to be an interesting one. Easy Come, Easy Go can be interpreted in many, many different ways. A lot of the grading will be based on how well you do that interpretation. All right. Shot across the bow there from yep, the judge. you've been warned. You've yeah. been warned. Okay. Well, look, that's it for our show this week. So thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about on this show or in the last show or any of our other shows, or just to say hello, you can reach out to us on social media through our website at hhepodcast.com or by email at Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. We love it when people write to us. And you never know, you might end up featured on a show in the future. Yeah, and one way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, you can find us. Uh, Our username is at HHE Podcast. If you subscribe there, you'll get an alert when we post these little one minute animated HHE bites that we do. Uh, And soon to be on our website, we're going to have Ask Dursley. Uh, That'll appear. So don't (laughs) forget to check that out. (laughs) Oh dear. Okay. So we're going to be back again soon with our next episode. But in the meantime, if you can't get enough of the show, check out our back catalogue of episodes, which you can find in your podcast app on YouTube or on our website, hhepodcast.com. And that's it. So a huge thank you to the judge. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. And a big thank you to you, Pete. And thank you to you too, Ryan. Ah, God, let's stop this love fest. All right. And that's it. I guess all that's left to say is... You've been listening to... History happened everywhere. The verdict. Can you run it? What? That's the search. Can you run it? I don't even understand the question. What's your answer? Come on, people are looking for their response. Yes. Positive, I like (laughs) that. He's a man who believes that you can run it. (laughs) Okay, next question. Can I run it? These are all sincerely searches on is it, is it potentially IT rather than it? <laughs> Not oh, that that helps a great deal, to be honest. Hey, Dursley, can I run it? No, use the bus. Perfect. <laughs> hey, Dursles, how many ounces in a cup? Depends on the size of the cup. See, it's a sort of semi-Buddhist philosophical <laughs> yeah. search engine now. What is the sound of one hand clapping? Well, on that... <laughs> hey, Dursles, how do you spell? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fragrant. We've moved into one-word answers, which is good, because that's what people work for now. We need to keep it simple for these guys. Keep it simple. Hey, Dursles, how to get pregnant? No, I do not accept that people are type this in on the internet. (laughs) 100% this is truthful. These are in Google's top searches. All right, next one. How old is Donald Trump? I think he's about 78. I'll put that in. There is no rhyme or reason to these questions at all, is there? No, no. Um, (laughs) Hey, Dursles, how to make slime? Yes. Now, what is it? It's some sort of borosilicate solution, isn't it? I think we just put that. (laughs) Yes, that's some sort of borosilicate solution, isn't it? (laughs) Hey, Dozzles, what does HMU mean? High muscle utility. 
My muscle utility. <laughs> That's great. Very, it's, a, it's a measure of gym equipment. I love it. All right, uh, last one here. How tall is Kevin Hart? <laughs> <laughs> Who is Kevin Hart? Comedian and movie star. Uh, four foot two inches. Done. That's gone in. Right. Prepare to see that at hhepodcast.com forward slash Hey Durzle. Hey Durzle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be checking it out myself for sure. For sure. I got questions. Let's see. All so right. you have a short attention span then or you can't remember the questions. <laughs> or the answers even. Crimea!